At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Why do we have insights when our mind is quiet? How do insights play a role in our ability to learn, and when do they impact the trajectory of our lives? Welcome to Insight Out, where we explore these questions and dissect how insights influence who we are and ultimately who we become. I interview New York Times bestselling authors and some of the most influential minds of our time to find out what insights have helped to make them who they are. When I realized that the world worked in many different ways, I'm gonna choose to create a life that is specifically designed for me. I see infinite capacity to think and create. That's the magic that we all have. You can tap into that any point in your life. You just have to decide to do it. And as a leader, you have to be a transition figure. As Dr. Covey said, be a light, not a judge. Be a model, not a critic. If you're like me, constantly working to design a life that will allow you to reach your fullest potential so that you can leave your mark on this planet, then you're in the right place. I'm glad to have you on this journey and hope you enjoy this episode of Inside Out. And we are live. Welcome, everybody, and thank you for joining. Of course, Brendan in the house. What's going on, my friend? How are you? Life is great, Billy. How about yourself, man? Good, man. Just coming off a fresh retreat. Uh, I was at my family reunion in San Diego, so if I look a little red, it's probably because the sun was beating down. And uh, But I'm excited to get back into our routine, doing lives. We talked a little bit before we started this session, and you have a couple of things on your mind. One is live events, so we're going to get to that in a minute. Hey, James, good to see you. The other is talking about or really studying what successful people are doing, specifically in your space. So you, for those who don't know, you're a coach. You work with your business partner to help executives. And one of the things that you've been doing is looking at how other businesses have scaled from being multiple hundred thousand dollar revenue generating businesses to being multi-million dollar revenue generating businesses. So as you study these people, you've been going to masterminds, you've been looking and pretty much everywhere you could find information to help you get a blueprint, get a map that will allow you to learn from others' examples. So let's start there. Who have you been studying and what have you learned? Yeah, absolutely, Billy. And I think a good way of starting this from a principal's perspective is almost every goal that we have, somebody else has already achieved it. The only exception is probably Elon Musk. But every one of us, if we have a goal that we want in life, chances are somebody else has already done it. So let's focus on that idea and that principle. I've applied that to most areas of my life, except maybe relationships and business. But everything else I've done it. So health, what did I do? I learned from other people when I did martial arts and I followed their guidance in my tens. And then now I watch YouTube videos on fitness trainers so that I can have you know the health that I want or eat the right things. And I've done that with everything most specifically through Lewis's podcast. But what I haven't done 
is understanding businesses. Businesses that are much more successful than what I'm doing currently and learning from how they've built their seven-figure businesses and seeing what I can take away from them. And that's just applying that same principle that we should be all applying in all areas to specific goals that we have. And for me, the question is always, what are those people doing that I'm not? And what I did essentially through Taki Moore's program where he coaches a lot of seven-figure business owners and I'm a part of that, I always like to see what are these individuals doing because they're doing much better results than I am. And one great example of that is Richmond Den. Richmond Den is running a multi-million dollar business where he coaches startup coaches on how to build their coaching businesses. And I'm always listening to what they're doing and how they're building things. And here's what I've learned. There's a hundred different ways of making a million bucks a year. And the key is to figure out which of those ways works best for you. So one example in the group is a guy named Craig. And what he does is he runs coaching groups that last for 12 weeks. Each person in the group pays $3,000. But then after that three-month coaching period is over, he then upsells them a $24,000 program. So if you do the math on that, if you're coaching 100 of these clients per quarter at 3K, that's 300K a quarter. You do that for a year, you're doing 1.2 million a year plus that 24K clients add-on. But then there's other people in that same program who do a million dollars a year on 10 clients. So they sell $100,000 packages to 10 different individuals, and that's how they make their money. So it starts by understanding the extreme. So the question I'd have for all of you to start thinking about this is if you want to start a business and you wanted to build it up, just ask yourself, if you had a million-dollar business today, what would it look like? If you had a $10 million business today, what would it look like? And you can apply that same rationale in any area of life. Focus on the end state, ask questions around the end state, and reverse engineer it back to where you are today. Okay, so I totally get what you're saying, that you got to almost reverse engineer where you want to be and, and figure out based upon, okay, if I want my business to be X, there are a number of ways I can get there what is going to be the way that will fit with my business model? And we're talking specifically right now. I mean, this could apply to really anything in any business, but the areas in which you're looking at coaching, consulting, service-based businesses, this would really apply to those so easily. You mentioned talking more uh, for those who don't know, I, I, I've talked to many people who have spoken very highly of him, yourself included. And can you say the other person's name that you just mentioned and talk a little bit more about what you've learned from him and maybe spell out his name for those who don't know? Yeah, of course. There's a bunch of other people here. But one other person that I mentioned as well is Richmond Din, who helps startup coaches grow their businesses. And he's in Taki Moore's seven-figure program. So Taki has two programs, one called Black Belt for coaches doing at least $100,000 a year looking to scale to a million. And then he has another program called Boardroom, which is for coaches making a million dollars a year who want to scale beyond that. Mm -hmm. So I'm in, of course, the the first one, where I'm in Black Belt. And then there's individuals like Richmond who are in who are in Taki's Boardroom. And what I've learned from both of those individuals, so many, I, I think what Taki does exceptionally well is he leverages his client's knowledge to help his other clients. So what mm -hmm. does that mean? He has these things called sensei sessions, which are super fascinating. And essentially what happens in a sensei session is he picks four people from boardroom 
to teach a 45-minute master class on anything that's made them successful, but then they compete against each other to see who has the best session. So all of them give an eight-minute teaser, and the audience, which is an audience of 200, then picks the Zoom call they want to jump into. So it's a competitive process where all mm. of these people compete with each other, and it ultimately benefits Taki because he just doesn't have to do anything, and he just has in the leverage his own clients for which That's is super brilliant. smart. Yeah, so let me smart. let me make sure I'm understanding this. There's this Zoom or wherever whatever the platform is, and they do almost like an elevator pitch, although it's a long elevator, eight minutes preview advertisement, if you will, about what their longer form presentation will be. And you have, let's say it's four people, four four people doing eight minutes, eight minutes, eight minutes, eight minutes, and then you choose by which one you go and attend. Is that is that correct? You you got it. And the and That's the funniest brilliant. thing about this is this is like a hundred K program. So the people in boardroom are paying Taki like a hundred thousand dollars a year to be in this. I don't know the exact cost, but it's not cheap, right? Because all these people are making a million a year. So they're spending money to then compete mm. against each other to then teach his own clients. And obviously they get a lot more from boardroom. It's a great program. But the funniest part out of all of this is one of my goals is to is to be one of those people. Like sure. I actually want to pay Taki and then deliver why? Because it's great to promote my brand and stuff, but also it's it's a great rite of passage to say, Wow, I started in this at the beginning and I moved up here. And and there's a lot that we can learn about that, which is people buy into the emotions a lot more in what we do than the logic. Mm-hmm. And the emotion doesn't just mean the sadness, the anger, all the different emotions that we feel, but the community aspect to it all. If you feel bonded to something else for reasons that have nothing to do with the purpose or the objective of that thing, that's when things get interesting. Super easy example, why do I wear Nike when I could wear anything? And I'm the cheapest guy, you'll meet us, it's a joke. But why do I wear Nike? I wear Nike because I know every time I put that shirt on, I feel something. I feel like competitive. I feel like I'm going to win any time I put that shirt on. And that's why I do it. Same thing with this. We can apply this er- this idea in every area of life. Yeah, well, people buy emotionally. They back it up with logic. It feels good. So let's let's dive into the blueprint. You mentioned Richmond, and I'm sure there's others that you studied as well. But what specifically stands out? So did you attend... Did he do an eight-minute preview and then you attended his session? And then, or, or what are some of the building blocks that would be valuable to impart on, on this group? Absolutely, man. So the I did attend, but I also watched all the recordings because you could only go to one, right? Mm. It's it's the hardest decision of your life. It's going to be, it's harder than picking your spouse or your husband. It's like, this is like super, because <laughs> they're all, they all sound amazing, but you can only attend one. But of course, I go back and I watch the other three that I didn't attend. And I also watch the past intensives so I can really get the value for the bang for the buck. But the the lessons that I learned, though, from each one is different. So from Richmond, I learned a couple of things. One is the sacrificial lamb example. And essentially what this is, for context, it's, it's a historic analogy where in the past, people used to sacrifice a lamb, like an animal, for the greater good of the group. So when something gets sacrificed, we tend to come together. So what he does in his business is super interesting, is he kicks out two people 
in the group who aren't taking this seriously and tells everyone else in the group that two people get kicked out. He doesn't say who they are, but he says, hey, these two people got kicked out. I gave them a full refund, and we want you to step it up. So what this does is everyone go, oh, I don't want to get kicked out of this program. I need to start putting in more work. I need to start putting in more effort. So that obsession for delivery, not just, it's not just about money for Richmond or any of these people at Seven Figures. It's about delivering a result that's so good that people are waiting in line to join it. That's one lesson I got from Richmond. So on that one, before you go to the next one, the idea here is that you're going to identify one or two people who are not putting forth effort, who are not doing what it takes to embrace what's being taught. It could be a group coaching program, could be a number of other types of scenarios. But if I'm understanding you correctly, his suggestion, or at least what he's doing and he's sharing this, is he removes them. And he gives them a full refund and says, hey, you know, no, you know, no hard feelings, but you can't be part of this program. And what that effectively does is it gives everyone else who's still there a wake up call that, hey, you better take this seriously. And, you, you know, there's no guarantee that you get to be a part of this program because it's not for everybody. Is that, is that what I'm understanding? Correct. So you're very close. The only other 10 percent I would add on that is Richmond doesn't necessarily go get out of the program. It's more just, and I know you didn't mean it that way, but it's more in the sense of, hey, you know, maybe you're re- you've got other things going on. Why don't you just reapply in three months? Mm. So it's not that they completely cancel them out, but definitely for this workshop, they're out, right? But they get a full refund and everything. And what this does is it creates results. Because at the end of the day in service-based businesses, the, the best marketing is the results that you deliver for clients. Simple. Like if I'm a speech coach and the people that I train aren't speaking well, we got a problem. <laughs> I, I won't be selling a lot of services, right? So same thing with Richmond. He's a business coach. He helps startup coaches grow their businesses. People aren't getting results. He's not going to get referrals. Mm-hmm. If he's not getting referrals, his business won't grow really quickly. Especially his business, and the, that's the second insight, which is his margins are really huge in his coaching business. And the reason is because he doesn't use ads. His delivery is so phenomenal that people not only wait in line for his $30,000 program, 30 grand to get into this, the second tier, they wait in line, they reapply viciously to get into the program, and they refer his services a bunch of times. That's why he never uses ads, and he has profit margins at 70%. You want people to be begging to, to get in. And the psychology of that is super clear that People want what they can't have. They want what's hard to get. They want something that they feel would be an accomplishment to be able to have and to get. So it makes perfect sense for on a psychological level. So you looked at the other three videos. And what else stands out? Obviously, we're not going to give all the secret sauce, but some of the items that stood out from those recordings would be, I'm sure, valuable for anyone listening, watching right now. And I want to say... Hey, what's going on, Michelle? Good to see you, as well as Lee. And I see James throwing in a bunch of hashtags. What's going on, James and Juma? It's good to see you, my friend. So thanks for joining. We love having all of you here. And curious, man, what are those other things that, as you think, you know, think back to reviewing all those, which ones stand out the most? Yeah, absolutely. And happy to share. I would say the next one is celebrating clients. You know what a lot of the people at the seven-figure mark do extremely well is 20% of their marketing 
is always celebrating a client that's getting results. So people are constantly reminded that they're actually selling services to begin with. And this is something I haven't done. And I was telling my business partners, I was like, we have the best clients in the world. Mm. Why aren't we showing them off like a Louis Vuitton purse? Because they are Louis Vuitton, right? These people are amazing. These people are game changing, especially with their permission. We celebrate them in a way that allows them to promote their services, but also shows that, hey, we know our stuff too. You should really look into our services, especially when people are raving about you. This is something almost every service-based business owner doesn't do enough especially if that service doesn't have any regulatory constraints like coaching businesses rarely do, you really want to make sure you have posts celebrating them. So the trick I use and I took away from all of these seven-figure people is, you know, for me, it's make a video on that person's speech. Post I did one today. I post one of my client Lauren's speech. She's incredible. So now everyone knows that I'm I, now I'm now associated to her brand. So people put me on the same level of her brand. And then I just do that with 10 other people. You know, it's it's the old Robert Cialdini's influence, right? Social proof. <clears throat> if you focus on, you know, hey, other people around you that you know have been through this, done this, and gotten the results, it increases your credibility. That's super powerful as well. And I, I've gotten a lot of referral just from that post. It's, it's brilliant. I mean, not only is it easy to do, it works. It's a win-win. It helps you and it helps them. If you're shining a spotlight on one of your clients because they've done something remarkable like you did with Lauren and you show her speech. For me, I'm a service owner, service business owner of, you know, we help people produce their podcasts. So shining a spotlight on any of the podcasters that we produce their shows, that's a win. It's a win for them. It's a win for us. When they post, I know, for example, when they post videos that we create, and they say, thanks to Potify for creating this. We get a lot of inbound interest. Hey, can you do this for me? And so it makes a ton of sense. The other thing that's really fascinating to me is that as a service-based business owner, I'm a big believer that most of the business is within arm's reach. And you and I talked about this a little bit ago. And that is, yeah, I could spend all day till Sunday trying to find new people that could be my potential customers. And there's nothing wrong with cold outreach, but I believe if I could shake the tree, the referral tree, that there's apples all around me. Meaning that if I could be top of mind to my network, and as you know, I have a pretty big network, people on Facebook, people on LinkedIn, people throughout you know, my different experiences job-wise, people that are in my phone that I text or call regularly. I mean, there's thousands of people who I know. And if I could have a, a conversation with them, even if it's a short conversation, see what's going on in their world, remind them of what's going on in my world, that's going to be opportunities right there. So huge opportunities are right in front of you. You just have to make sure that you're top of mind. And this is one of the things that Jordan Harbinger talks about. Go, and I mentioned this in one of our earlier episodes of this live, and that is go back in your text messages on your phone go back as far as you could go for me it's like years there's people that i haven't sent a text to in like two three i think maybe four or five years in some cases and send them a text and it may be that you just send them a text to reconnect and it shouldn't be with ulterior motives but guess what 
what will end up happening is conversation will happen later this week. I have a, a lunch with a, an old colleague just because, you know, I like to keep in contact with people. And the more you do this, the more you're going to be top of mind and the more people are going to think, oh, Brendan does this. Billy does this. Therefore, they're going to say, you should talk to my friend, Billy. You should talk to my friend, Brendan. And so just like it's important to celebrate your clients, it's really important to celebrate the people around you that know you, like you, and trust you already. Because when you're meeting somebody cold, you got to start from scratch. And they don't know you. They don't necessarily like you or trust you yet. Doesn't mean you can't get there. But start with the people in your warm market. So, uh, okay, let's go to another one, man, because I know there's more. What else stands out? I'm going to leave no juice left in this orange. Let's squeeze it. What are some other takeaways that you got as you study these these amazing business owners? You know, speaking of squeezing the orange juice, let's focus on that referral point because there's actually 10 more layers that, that I don't think a lot of people who are listening know of, which is the following. You need to over-deliver for your referrals in a way your competitors wouldn't even think of. I'll give you a ninja trick that I actually haven't said publicly as to how I closed five corporate accounts in 30 days. One month, I closed five corporate accounts. Okay, This would be normal if I was 50 years old and I, had a, I was a vice president like you and I knew all these people. I'm 25. How in the world did I close <laughs> Salesforce and all these big companies like this? Because I give my referrals the greatest gift. And it's not a mug. It's not just a gift card. It's not just a, hello, you know, thanks so much. It's not just a Zoom call. I give them the gift of transformation. What does that mean? Every single person who just gives me one intro into a corporate that I close, I give them a free spot in my coaching program that I charge three grand US for. So let's say somebody's 23 years old who works at a sales force, works at a X company, insert company name here, and can't really afford a 3K US package because they're just getting started in their careers. My pitch to them is super simple. Hey, if you get me in, just talk to me about, because it's super easy to sell me, right? It's communication. It's not hard to sell. You just show my YouTube videos. I'll give you a free slot in my communication program. They go, oh my God, in a week, I close a company because they sell me super hard to HR. And then they go through the program, but here's the magic, Billy. They go through the program, they get transformed, but they don't stay at that company forever. They move on to another company. Who gets referred for public speaking when they switch companies? You. you. But they won't just stay at that company either. What about two years after when they switch companies? Who gets referred? Brendan. And over and over and over again. That's why it's very difficult to compete against me in this market. Right? So that's the key. I want all of you to start thinking about this. Don't just deliver for your referrals. Over-deliver for all of them. Give them a gift that nobody, none of your competitors are thinking of. And you'll, you'll, you won't be top of the mind. You'll be sky's the limit. You'll be all the way at the top. Even higher than that. In a way that they'll never forget you for the rest of their life. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think it doesn't matter what business you're in. When you wow your customers, when you give them something that's so exceptional, they can't help themselves, but to be amazed, then that is the experience that they will want to tell their friends about because there's a cognitive burden that we have when something is so amazing that we want to release. We want to tell other people about it. Oh, this happened. Therefore I need to tell other people for the same reason 
videos go viral when they touch us emotionally, when they make us laugh, when they make us cry. There is a emotional sort of cognitive load that's on our brain that we have to, we actually have to tell other people about it. So you, you want to create that virality with your customers. When you, when you do what's unexpected, when you send your customer a gift out of the blue, when you do something that they did not think was going to happen, then they feel the sense of commitment. So I know for me, you know, you talk about celebrate the wins. I'm also about double downing on how I can provide more in value than I take in payment. How can I provide more in value than I take in payment? And not just a little bit more, a whole lot more. And that's part of that is not just delivering what they expect, but delivering things that they don't expect. So if for in my case, if they're expecting to have their podcast edited and I deliver that, that's doing what's expected. If they did not order audiograms or videos created, but I do that and I send this to them as a bonus, hey, we decided to do a little bit extra this month. We're now sending you two videos and two audiograms. That's going over above and beyond what they expected. So find those opportunities, find those ways to give yourself and give them a story that they could tell other people. Okay, so what else, man? What else? Before we move into live events, which we'll go into in a second, anything else that that stands out? Because you give some great ones. The sacrificial lamb was super interesting. I loved learning about that. Celebrating each individual customer that you have, super smart. Uh, and you know, obviously, talking about the power of referral-based businesses and and building your business that way is is key. W- what else, though? I want to make sure we explore maybe one or two other topics. Absolutely. And one other thing to your point, I think you're underplaying your double down. You don't double down, you triple down. That's why I did this, right? You triple down your existing relationships. And that's why I think you've been really successful and why a lot of the best networkers, they really focus on the people who are already giving to them and triple downing on those efforts. And that's where they find the real success that most people don't. I would say the third thing is start thinking about a low-end offer where money is not an objection. I'll give you a super interesting example that I learned from Brian Marks. So he's doing three, four hundred K a month now. So he's, he has like three, four million dollar coaching business now. And he's like 26 or 27 users. Absolutely insane. He, he coaches, um, he's a business coach for fitness, fitness owners, fitness coaches who want to scale up their coaching businesses. And one thing he did to get to go from zero to half a million extremely quickly is his offer was 3000 US, but it's $300 to get started. So what does that mean? That means if you don't have the money to pay three grand up front, you can pay a 12-month payment term 300 bucks a month. But since he's a business coach and he's super confident in his results, he knows the second somebody gets into the program, he can get them like a client like this which will immediately return their money. And then he upsells 10, 20, 30K offers. But since that client has already made money in the program, they're just going to reinvest everything back into him. So everyone wins. I thought that was really smart. Uh, so basically, I, I'm start, I'm going to implement this potentially. I have to talk to my business partner about it. But 12-month payment terms are, are super dangerous in a good way. If, if, it doesn't, if it's not super hard to deliver, 
I think that's uh, another thing I got from Brian. And his, his program started selling like hotcakes. He sold so much. Because think about it. When people, like humans, get really scared by big numbers. Like people would rather pay $300 a month for 12 months than $3,000 up front, even if the $300 a month for 12 is 3600 Right? Like mm-hmm. People don't do the math. And that's another piece is you actually make more money on the back end. You give people a better opportunity, less risk up front, and they stress less about money and they get better results. And you sell like a ridiculous amount of programs. So after he sold like 150, he was doing half a million dollars a year and he was delivering great results for his clients. So that was a big one that I need to start implementing as well. Okay, so this is speaking of finding new ways and revenue sources that maybe we're not exploring you're bullish on live events, which I love that you're looking at the crowd, maybe going a little bit in the opposite direction. Let's face it. We're in the midst of a lingering pandemic that won't seem to disappear. We thought we shook it. It's back at least at some level. I think people are still scared to go. I myself nearly, I mean, so close. I was about to press by, I almost bought a plane ticket. I was, should have been in a plane right now heading to Nashville, I decided not to for podcast movement. And part of the reason is I just think a lot of people aren't going now because of what's happening. So all that to be said, I know there's a live event you're going to in about a month. Why are you so bullish on live events and how should we be thinking about them in the overall tapestry of our business? Absolutely. Look, Billy, at the end of the day, nothing in this world beats an in-person connection you know how much i'm dying to meet you in person even if yeah, i've known I know. you for a no, nobody for that for those who don't know we've never met in person that's crazy yeah, right it's never right <laughs> and it's insane right nothing nothing in this world beats an in-person connection that is just the truth and because of that live events allows you to speed up trust in a relationship at a level that just doesn't exist. And to be honest, it's just really fun for people, people, you know, people who love talking like me and you and other extroverts. It's just fun. It plays to our advantage. But the other reason why live events are so magical is because it's a huge curator of quality people. I'll give you a quick example. When I went to Lewis House's event, Summit of Greatness, maybe 1,500 people were there. 1,500 people seems like a lot of people. But let's really understand what 1,500 people actually means. So let me break this down from the top. And I explain this in one of my programs. Pretty funny. So there are millions of people every week who listen to Lewis's show. And out of those million people, Lewis says, hey, I'm doing this event called Summit of Greatness. Love for you to come. The ticket's like 300 bucks. It's like nothing. So then out of those millions of people, let's say, because a lot more people buy tickets than actually show up, right? We need to remember that. So let's say 5,000 people buy a ticket. So out of those 5,000 people who buy the ticket, maybe 1,500 show up. Why is that? Because you have to book a flight, take time off, book a hotel for a couple of days, and on top of that, with Summit of Greatness, you're literally going to the middle of nowhere. Summit is in Columbus, Ohio. It's not in Los Angeles. It's not in Florida. It's not in New York. It's literally in like the middle of nowhere, in Lewis's hometown. So you're just going for the event. 
So going up to your family and saying, you know, I'm taking three days vacation to go. Where are you going, honey? Los Angeles? No, I'm going to Columbus, Ohio. So let's start this from the beginning. Out of the millions of people who start at the top of this funnel, only 1,500 actually make it to the event. So what does that tell you about the quality of those 1,500 people? Well, that quality is amazing. And I'll tell you another quick story. My business partner, Vamsi, okay, I met him at Lewis's event at a 5 a.m. workout. I don't know if you know this story. I was doing a, a 5 a.m. workout for Steve Weatherford. Steve was a, one of, a, a Super Bowl champion, and he was one of the best punters in the NFL. He was delivering the train. It was horrifying. It was, I couldn't feel my body. It was called the deck of pain. <laughs> and there was 50 people at this training, and that's how I met Vamsi. And I always ask my clients, and I'll ask everyone on the call, was it luck that I met Vamsi? Was it luck that I met him? Some people might say it's luck, but let's really think about this. Millions of people listen to the show. 1,500 show up. Out of those 1,500, how many people made the decision to wake up at 4.30 a.m. and come to that workout? 50. Was it really luck? The chances of me meeting Vamsi on that day was not 1 in 7 billion. It was 1 in 50, right? So people need to understand that. That's the power of live events is the commitment level is so high that the people who actually show up are next level. That's why, I would even add to that, Michelle, it's not necessarily serendipity. It's planned serendipity. It's intentional serendipity. It's the decision that me and Vamsi make to say, let's go to this event and see who else is there, and then we bump into each other. Mm. So it's intentional serendipity. That's why I'm super bullish on live events. And that's why, as a fun fact, I have always made my money back on every single live event I've been to. Every single time. There's always at least one client I sign without me even trying. Mm. It makes it makes sense. And I Okay, so we're going to explore this from two angles. You're looking at this mainly, it sounds like, from the attendee standpoint. And the value that you can find, get, bring because you're attending these events to your point there's a, a funnel of sorts which is wide at the top gets narrower and narrower and what you're saying is the people who actually pay the money get the hotel fly and do all these things to attend these events they're in they're committed and so if you choose the right events which i'm curious about how you choose the right events uh if you choose the right events you're putting yourself in the way of opportunity in a good way and you're finding opportunity because you're you're establishing a, a a clean pathway to meeting the right people in your industry so let's talk first about the attendee side of things and then i am curious what your thoughts are about putting on these events uh we could do a whole show on just that so it'll probably be brief on that but let's talk about how you choose the events that you go to absolutely so, you know, it's funny that you talk about this because, you know, I'm reflecting back on my life. And if I never went to Summit, I'd still be in corporate. I'd still be working my day job because no one would have guided me in my business. It's pretty insane. It's only because I met Vamsi at that one event that completely changed the trajectory of my life. Where I Basically, I got results that I was expecting at 30 years old at 25, which is absolutely crazy. So yeah, there, there's definitely, I'm a, I'm a huge bull and I'm definitely heavily biased on live events. And how do we pick them? It's super easy. Okay. Pick, make a list of your top 10 favorite people in the world and just ask them what events they go to. 
So what happened is I went to Summit mainly because, I mean, Lewis is like my hero. So of course, something that Lewis curates, I want to be a part of, especially if, if it's from Columbus. I want to see what he's done because he's already added so much value in my life, which is the first criteria. How much value has this person already given to you before without having you attend? There's a good analogy I like to use with books. I always recommend against reading books until you've listened to a podcast on that book. So I'll give you an example. Thirst by Scott Harrison is one of my favorite books of all time. I don't recommend anyone read the book. Watch an interview of Scott for an hour. See if you like the guy. If you don't like the guy, move on. But if you love the guy, read the book. Right? It saves you a lot of time. Same thing with live events. Don't go to a live event if that person or the person who's curating that event or somebody that you trust says this is the best event or they give you a bunch of value up front. The second piece is after you attend the event, if you really love it, go up to your top 10 favorite people and go, what else do you do? Where else do you go? And make a list. That's how Vamsi found Taki more. Taki is not that great at marketing himself. It's more people that just who who made a million bucks a year who just mm-hmm. go, hey, Vamsi, you should check out Taki Moore's stuff. I made a million bucks working under him. It's pretty legit. But after the fifth person said that, you're like, okay, this person's probably legit. So that's that's the secret. What else goes into your decision making process aside from making the list, which is great advice? So make the list. In addition to making the list, you're you're really finding out what other places those people go and I think it's super smart too to ask the question how much value is this person already provided as a threshold that you need to get past in order for it to be something you would consider what are the other factors at play when you're deciding which events you'll attend right I would say the other thing that comes to mind is just opportunity cost of time what can I be doing instead of attending this event and does it make sense for the goals and the dreams that I have? So I'll give you an example of one I'm attending in September that nobody recommended to me because I don't know a single person who has been to the event yet because it's only happened once before. So I'll tell you the decision-making behind that. So I'm attending The Vault, which is Patrick but David's event in Miami, which I'm flying out for in four weeks. So what led to my decision to attend? One, the most important one, I've already gotten hundreds of thousands of dollars of value from Patrick's free content. There's a lot of videos on his YouTube channel where I go, why was that free? I literally don't get it. I can literally take notes on everything. My whole life is clear in 30 minutes. So I don't even know the value he's going to be delivering at that event. But I'm taking that risk because he's already delivered a bunch. In the same way, I took the risk with Lewis's event. Never never knew a fly who went to Summit of Greatness. I went there, best best event of my life to this day. Best One of the best three days of my life, seriously. So that was that was the rationale. The other piece is really the cost of the ticket and what can be used instead. So I'm lucky Vault is not that expensive. It's like five fifty a ticket or something. But some tickets cost five grand. So what you really want to start thinking through with your live events is prioritizing. Make a list. And I'm gonna I'm not gonna call out these events, but there's some events that are really well hyped that are not good at all. Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure we can talk about this off camera, but you wanna start <laughs> thinking about like Asking people that you trust who have been to the event, if possible, what they thought of it. But what I highly recommend people do is set aside a budget for going to live events and name a top three to five that you want to absolutely attend and prioritize that. Because there's a cost to go. It's not just the ticket price. It's taking the flight, booking the hotel, and et cetera like that. 
Okay, so assuming that you've picked the right event and you've given some great suggestions on how to do that, how do you show up with intention to get the most out of the event? Obviously, one tactic is wake up super early and go to a 5 a.m. training, uh, do what other people aren't doing. But what else, man? What else allows you to meet the right people at these events? Because at the end of the day, these events are great for learning, but they're exceptional for networking because there is, as you said, no better place to connect with somebody than in, in person. Yeah, and I'll be honest, there's some things I'm going to say that I don't think most people should be implementing. That's more of a Brendan thing. One of them is, to your point, I, I rarely sleep when I'm at live events. It is the only moment of my life currently where I barely, like, I just don't sleep. Like, when I was at Summit, pff, forget it, dude. I was sleeping, like, four hours a day, and I'll tell you why. And I don't recommend this. Get your sleep, people. Be normal. Don't be like Brendan. But I'll tell you quickly the rationale. Because I can't buy that event back. Okay, the second Summit's over. Summit hasn't happened for three years. After, isn't it crazy how after that event... Like, this year's got canceled, too. So next event is going to be September 2022. Mm. So that's the thing. You can't buy those back. There's only a certain amount of summits left in the world because Lewis might retire in 30 years. He might stop this after three times. He might stop this after 30. So because of that, I take live events, especially the ones that are really good, super seriously. Because if I sleep for an hour, I'm going to miss out on meeting somebody. I'll give you an example. Last day of summit... It was 3 a.m. And I was still up. And thank God for that because I got to meet Joe, who's now one of my best buddies. And I never would have met Joe if I hadn't stayed up those extra five minutes longer. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I don't regret the decision. But what I do recommend, and this is more of a tactic once you're in the personal development world, everything is easy through intros. So here's what I'm doing, actually, tactically. This is going to be fun for you. I've already planned out my dinners before I've even landed in Miami. Okay, I've never been to Miami in my life, but I've already organized, I already know exactly my game plan, my tax strategy. So second I land, I meet with Vamsi. I haven't seen him with 18 months. We're going to have a lunch together the second we land from the airport, take an Uber together. And then I have dinner with one of the people from Clubhouse named Jill that lives in Miami. And I told Jill specifically, hey, Jill, bring all of your best buddies. Would love to meet everybody. So now she is bringing in her favorite people. So I get to meet eight people all at once right away. That's tactic number one. Pick one person. Have that one person be your, your advocate at the event. When the event starts, do the same thing. So go to speak to 10 people. Figure out who your favorite person is out of those 10. Stick to that person and have that one person introduce you to all their friends. That's the easiest way to scale your community but i'll be honest when i say it's much easier for a brendan to do this not just because he's extroverted but because i have a youtube channel it's really easy for me to get credibility so i literally go up to people and they go what do you do and i just say i make youtube videos on public speaking every time i say that people's first react they always take out their phone hey what's your youtube channel oh wow awesome and then they go hey you got to meet this brendan guy he's like famous <laughs> this has a joke so that's my that's my other strategy. That's more uh, Brendan, though. Yeah, well, I think the key part that you've said is, one, it's your opportunity to not only connect with people who you maybe don't get to see all the time that you now will because you're in the same location, Jill, Vomsi, but you can also meet the people that they know, which is super, super important. It's, 
if, especially if they're a local. And then, yeah, I mean, you, you have something going for you with your YouTube channel. For another person, it might be something else. But figure out what your thing is. Like, what is that thing that's going to help you stand out, that's going to make them want to pull out their phone and say, oh, yeah, let me find you. Da, 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 da. So, okay, so let's, let's talk a bit about when we think about um, doing a live event from the other end of the spectrum. If you're a consultant, a coach, if you run a service-based business, when is it the right time to consider doing a live event yourself, to host a live event? Is it something that you think many people should attempt to do or is it something that few people should attempt to do? Great question. And I'll give you the ninja trick I gave Travis is pretty well known on LinkedIn as well on how to tackle this. So one, I think most service-based produce providers should do virtual events. Virtual events don't cost a dime. I run one myself once every two weeks. Right, my next one is like next this Sunday or something, this Saturday. But I run that because my marginal cost is zero. It's literally just my time. So one of my tech guys just puts up the landing page. You sign up for it. You attend my Zoom call. Zoom call costs nothing. Costs nothing to me. We all have a good time. That I recommend for everybody. Live events though? No. Because live events are really difficult to sell tickets to. Very difficult. Like I know Patrick's struggling hard because they sold me hard on the phone. Like, really hard. I'm super happy I'm going. It's only pretty mm -hmm. hard on the phone. They were like, oh, you know, look, there's a lot of great things. Like, it was great, but it was all in integrity. They're incredible sales. Lots of respect to him and his team. But yeah, it's tough because they're losing a lot of money. Lewis was very upfront about it. Even in 2019, pre-COVID, he lost a lot of money on Summit because he doesn't pitch on stage. He just pitches you to come next year. That's it. I, I, but there's other events that make a lot of money, like Tony Robbins' events. They, it's, it's a huge pitch fest. Like they pitch a bunch of products, like Date with Destiny, it's a 10 grand product, Business Mastery. But here's the ninja trick. This is what me and Vamsi are implementing this year that people can take. This is kind of our trademark, is invite clients to other people's live events that we're going to and create an experience out of it. Mm. So instead of us taking on the cost, we do something like this. Hey, everyone, if you want a chance to meet us in person, get lunch with us, we're going to Tony Robbins' event in November. Who wants to come? And five people immediately go, yeah, I'm in. And then we all stay at the same hotel. It's a blast. So this costs us zero because they pay their own flight. They pay their own shop, whatever. And we can coach them. We can have fun with them. And it doesn't cost us a dime. But it also tells us how many people would come to a live event if we raised our hand. Yeah, that's what I was telling it, Travis. It's, yeah. it's so smart. I mean, even this uh, I mentioned earlier podcast movement, Heather Osgood, who has true native media, she invited me to a mixer that she's putting on. It's not her event. The, 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 the large conference is not her event, but she's putting a smaller thing together within the timeline timeline and location of podcast movement. So super smart on her because now she's getting her whole team together and it's a chance for them to do meet and greets and meet podcasters and meet people who are potential clients and existing clients, not necessarily having to output a whole bunch of cash. Yeah. You got to fly to get there and maybe pay for a few things, but it's minimal compared to what you'd be paying if you were to try to put the whole event on. And it's a huge risk because there's no guarantees. Even when I interviewed Cliff Ravenscraft he talked about when he was putting together a really, really large event, he had to ask himself, is this the direction he wants to go? 
you know, trying to sell out stadiums or do, do, you know, massive, large events. Like, why are you doing it? What is, he had to ask himself that question. Was it his ego? Was it something else? Like, what is the end benefit? And now he's a transformational life coach. He's not doing those sorts of events, but I think it's a, a really important distinction to make of why it's important to attend live events and when you attend them, how to get the most out of them, but also how to make sure that you're using methods to allow yourself to network, whether that be setting up lunches or meeting people or coordinating with people, asking them if they're going to attend the event, which really, really good advice. And then the other piece, which I, I think is so important, is that it doesn't cost anything to do a, or very little to do a virtual event. So it's a missed opportunity if you're a service-based business, if you're a coach or consultant, you're not using virtual events. On the other hand, doing a live event where you're selling tickets, be very conscious of the fact that it's, it's just not easy. It's, 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 it takes some work. So, okay, so in, in closing, as we wind things down, I'm going to ask you one final kind of open-ended question. What should we be thinking about that we haven't yet covered as we think about this idea of scaling a business that may be a six-figure business today. We want it to be a multi-million dollar business. And, and we've explored a lot of different things that you've learned that are great strategies and techniques to, to do this, as well as we talked about the value and the importance of live events and how it could literally be life-changing. What haven't we yet explored yet? Or if you have a framework to kind of tie everything together, you could do that as well. I want to give you the final word to bring us home. Absolutely, man. You know, I think for me, the final word at the end of the day is self-awareness. Understanding more specifically what your weaknesses are, not just your strengths. A lot of us know what their strengths are, but very few of us really start to think, what are our weak points? I'll give you great examples with me. I don't know how to run ads. I think they're annoying. I don't really like doing that. I much prefer getting on calls with people and selling my services that way. I don't want to run ads, do all this funky stuff. Same thing with like getting people on a call. That's not my style either. I'd rather invite them to a free training. It's less salesy. And I love to sell on stage. Like I'm great. I'm a speaker, right? <laughs> that's what I do. So that's more my style. Other people who are way more successful than me go, hey, Brendan, I'm an introvert. I don't want to get on calls with people. I don't want to attend live events. I just want to stay home and coach people who want to <clears> buy my <throat> services. Everyone's different. There's a hundred ways to win any game and your job as a human being is to study all hundred and to figure out which path is the one that maximizes your potential. And this is what most of us don't do. Most of us, what we do is we look at one of those hundred ways to win. We realize that it doesn't fit us and we give up on the mm. whole thing altogether. Whereas the key is really to see what Brendan thinks, what Billy thinks, and then saying, I don't really like what Brendan is saying, but there's one or two things Brendan is saying here and Billy too that I can implement in my game. That's how winners win. So be a winner. Yeah, we owe it to ourselves to understand what we'll like, not only what we'll like doing, but what we'll be better at doing, what we'll be able to commit to, what can we sustainably do over the long term? And if our natural default is to thrive in a certain type of environment you mentioned being on stage for me it's being in a room it's facilitating that's where I thrive right so I know that the better you know yourself 
the more in tune you are with who you are and how you operate, the more you'll be able to leverage the right strategies. Because even though there's 101 or a million and one ways to reach the level of success that you want to reach, you got to find the best one for you or the best few for you. Instead of trying to do the wrong one or just saying, oh, I don't like that one. Therefore, I'm not going to do anything. So such, such great advice. Thank you everyone for being here throughout this session. And for those who watched the replay, as always, we welcome you to join us again. We'll be here as regularly as possible. Three to five times a week is what we're finding right now. Uh, I know we're doing a little bit later, so we may try some earlier time slots as well. But let us know. Let us know the right time slot for you, as well as what you'd like to have us talk about in the future. We explore topics ranging from social media to business, entrepreneurship, coaching, consulting, running a service-based business. We're going to talk about books, I think, pretty soon. And, and Brendan's going to share his reading list, even though he admits he doesn't love to read and he already suggested that one of his strategies is to listen to a podcast first before he actually reads. But when he finds a book, you better believe, and when he finds a book that he likes, you better believe it's a good book. So we're going to talk about Brendan's book list, I think, later this week. So let us know what you want us to talk about. We would love to hear from you. And until next time, make it a great one. Thanks for joining. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside Out. I hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in business and in life. If you like this show, the best payment you can give is to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. You can also listen to past episodes and see a breakdown of all the best insights by going to insightoutshow.com. And for the record, there's no greater compliment than sharing this show with your friends on social media. So if there's an insight or a lesson that you liked, please share it and tag both me and today's guest. And until next time, remember, your next life-changing breakthrough moment may happen when you least expect it. Insight out.